Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM, Auburn's premier home for student-run radio since 1971. I'm your host, Jack Hart, alongside my color man, Davis Carroll, joined by absolutely nobody else, as it's just the two of us today. We'd like to welcome our listeners and viewers from across the Auburn Obelika Megaplex and around the world. However, you may be tuning in today. Whether that be on your terrestrial radio antenna through the information superhighway at WEGLFM.com or tuning in after the fact on Transistor.FM as our podcast. We are happy to have you here in the booth with us for Auburn's only student-run morning drive time show. And now, broadcasting live from the Bradley Basin WEGL studios in the bowels of the Harold Melton Student Center on the campus of Auburn University where it is a muggy 82 and sunny this fine Tuesday morning. It's Compact Discourse. We all wish you a very sincere buenos dias, good morning, bon matiné, or a good old American good morning as we get on with the show. At this point, I would like to remind all of our audience that at any point in the next two hours, you feel so inclined to ask a question, drop a hot take, or in the highly unlikely event that we get something wrong, correct us. Go ahead and call in at 334-844-WEGL. That's 334-844-9345. You can also shoot us a tweet at cdiscau. That's at C-D-I-S-C-A-U on Twitter. I'll be more likely to get to that one. And our dedicated team of call screeners, a.k.a. Davis, will handle your inquiry. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. I agree 100% of the way. And we had a lot of fun yesterday on the show and looking to have a lot of fun today. It's going to be quite the challenge keeping up with the news throughout the week as we do this show four days a week now. But we were very excited to take on that challenge and we are going to start that by talking a little bit. Of course, we're going to start with the weather, as always. Uh, where right now in Auburn, Alabama, it is 78 degrees and sunny. A 2% chance of rain. So bring your raincoat only if you're feeling extremely unlucky today. It should get up to about 90. And then tonight, it should cool down back to about 75. So great news there for People who enjoy these late summer days uh, as the dog days of the summer continue to approach. And baseball is kicking off into full swing at that point. We are looking at right now the Braves last night. The Braves and the Yankees took on each other. Both teams had a nine-game win streak going. I think that was the third time ever that two teams with a nine-plus game win streak met up in, I think, the last 100 years is what I saw. So very exciting there. Yankees did come up on top of that one, 5-1. to one. Very disappointing for us Braves fans. But it was interesting to be a part of history in that sense as two teams with a nine-plus game winning streak met in the first time. So moving right along, we are going to talk about, uh, as we like to do on Compact Discourse, we are going to talk a little bit about campus lifestyle. Davis, have you gotten your new Tiger card yet? No. No? Every time I've gone, the line's like probably two hours long, and I really don't want to wait in it. Is there only one spot to get it at Foy still? Yeah, it's just the one spot at Foy right across the hall from the big auditorium. Like if you go in the far entrance, that's the only... you. If, when you go in there, you'll, you'll, you'll see the line going all the way down to like the Veterans Affair office. 
And every time I've gone to the student center for it, it's just not there. They're like, go to Foy. There's just a sign there. Interesting. It's like they don't want you to have it. Yeah, it is like they, they're, trying to, they're trying to phase us upperclassmen out. They don't want us to go to any games. Well, your mobile Tiger card is required for football game entry. All students should add the mobile Tiger card compatible with iPhone or Apple Watch or Android to your wallet because I assume that's going to be a lot easier than trying to clear out three hours out of your day to go make a trip around Foy. So I would go ahead and add it to your Apple Watch. I believe that's the Git app. Yeah. Add to wallet and use the Git app. And then you can always access your Auburn email to learn how to get it on Android if you're still a holdout Android user. The issue is, like, I got it on my wallet, but are they going to scan it? I don't get how they do it. It's just like the little picture of me and my dining dollar amount. They might scan your picture. What? It might be like an eyeball scan. Oh. <laughs> you have to hold it up, make sure it matches. Maybe. I Auburn, want a new picture anyway. That's why I want to go. I, I don't think you get a new picture. If you go to the one in Foy, you do get a new picture. If you go to the one in Student Center, they give you your old one. Interesting. But I don't I don't even know if they're doing the Student Center one anymore because I've gone there like 12 and it's closed. Well, my picture is very old and my hair is very greasy in it. So I think it's, it's kind of cute. It's a, it's a legacy uh, to, to hang on to that one. So on top of that, uh, continuing... In the student life affairs section of things, Auburn has, of course, have you seen these new transit buses they're rolling out? I have. They look kind of nice. Actually, makes me want to ride the transit bus. It, it, it's kind of crazy. Um, so, I mean, these things are huge. If you haven't seen them, they're uh, less less orange, more blue, which is okay. I think it's, it's more. I like it more. I think they look better. Yeah, they do look pretty cool. Um, Aubie, there's a picture of Aubie riding in the back seat, which is awesome. And there's a tiger tail coming out the back. So a lot of character to these new tiger transits. Um, I think some of them are hybrids. I mean, there's also Wi-Fi and USB charging spots on them, uh, allegedly. There, there, that's what I've heard also, allegedly. I can't confirm or deny, but I'm sure there is. But I've also heard, me and Grayson were talking about, do you need, like, a card to get on? Do you have to, like, swipe in to get on? Like a bus pass? Or is it you just get on like usual? I don't know. I don't. That's it. that's interesting. I, I we'll have to go do some some man in the street research there, but I don't know if that if if that, how they could enforce that. I feel like that would slow things down too much because yep. you've never ever. I mean, obviously there it's always been you need to be a student to ride, but there's never been any kind of enforcement of that. I'm, I'm doing some research over here. Okay, um, just a quick PSA: Auburn students are being reminded of the Auburn's. University's latest COVID-19 protocol, specifically involving testing positive or being exposed to the virus. Any student, faculty, or staff member who tests positive for COVID-19 is required to submit an online self-report form. You can go to AU Access and access the COVID page to get access to all these resources. Students have been exposed to someone with a COVID-19 also should submit a self-report form. This is very important in helping Auburn monitor any emerging trends. Uh, Once they support a self-report form, they receive an automated email from the COVID Resource Center providing detailed instructions and additional emails will follow over the next 10 days regarding information and continuing to offer instruction. So in order to combat this thing we're still dealing with, it's very important to self-report and control this thing and let the university know 
what's going on so they can make the best decision for your safety. Filling out that form is also the way that you get your excused absences from class that you miss. Okay. So be well, sure to do that well, so you don't get That's very important. One. Just in case, if you if my Spanish class, if I miss five, I get like an F. Interesting. I don't know if it's an F. I think like, it's an F-A. <laughs> is that right? Uh, I'm just going to move on for that. I got the bus pass information over here. Go ahead. What's up? Uh, to travel to an off-campus, non-academic destination using either Tiger Transit or the Lee Russell Public Transit, I'm not. I'm guessing that's just the the county public transit. A bus pass is required and costs fifty dollars a year. You can purchase it through uh, AU Access. Go to my campus and you can get it through there, and you pick it up at the parking services office. Interesting. So that both of us, if we wanted to ride the Tiger Transit, we would have to get it. Well. I don't want to ride it anymore. Well, I guess we could just ride it to <laughs> we just ride it around the block once and then just walk back to our place. We're close enough. Interesting. Yeah, our, our both our respective places. <laughs> Fair enough. So, big changes. Um, is there? I mean, you weren't on the discussion yesterday, but there are there any other big changes you've noticed to campus or Auburn proper itself over the summer that you'd uh, like to raise a concern or, or praise the uh, city council for making happen? There's a, still a lot of construction going on. I guess that's most cities that are growing there's going to be a lot of construction Mm -hmm. but the worst construction and i guess they are working on the railroads they're all like the the crosses if you will yeah they are yes you go ahead and sing it if you want that won't be necessary i think they're they're obviously doing the one on north on i heard grayson talk about that yesterday that's sometimes i'm not sure what their schedule is for shutting it down it's always shut down when i need to go across it apparently but the railroad crossing, like going to Weagles on North Donahue's closed sometimes. And the one on Dean, like when you're going across to go to Opelika Road, has also been closed when I needed to go across it. And there's also, I guess this is technically Auburn, but there's all that construction on Opelika Road, Pepperell Parkway in another way, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's like right beside, well, I guess they're trying to move the pipes. That's the one thing that's... I've really noticed because I go down that road a lot. Interesting. You have Popeyes. Oh, I see. Well, that's very important. It is. Don't keep Davis away from his Popeyes. I don't want to go to the scenic route. I got to get there quick. <laughs> you had the nuggets yet? I've not. I mean, I figure they're just like the tenders, but nugget form. So I'm not really. Yeah, I'm not biting at the I'm chops. Not, to I'm get not it. breaking down the doors to get the <laughs> nuggets, but the tenders are really good. So I'm not really like I can guess what the nuggets taste like. Fair enough. So. There you go, continuing to discuss the... Well, actually, one more thing about the Nuggets here. I'm more of a tender guy anyway. You talked about that yesterday for the Chick-fil-A yeah. on Magnolia. I went to that Chick-fil-A to also get tenders since the one in the student center didn't have one. And they have them? They should. Not the one, not in the student center. Oh, okay. I went there like twice, and then they shut it down, and now it's finally I see. back. I see. The Magnolia one. Yes. Okay. All right, well, we want to remind everybody that it is a week on the concourse, so if you are walking around on campus today, be sure to stop by the Haley Concourse to check out all of the student organizations that are hanging out on the concourse this week. Um, I mean, the Improv Club, Charge, which is the, uh, the Health and Fitness Club, Emerge, uh, Chi Alpha Christian Fellowship, ACF, Triathletes, the uh, Tabletop Gaming Club, Pi Lambda, every, Fly Fishing, everybody's out there. So be sure to, um, if you're on campus today, just walking around, be sure. I mean, I always say if election week is the week you want to avoid the concourse, then 
O week is the week you want to be on the concourse and check out these organizations because all of them are going to be pretty enthused to talk to you and just go go and learn something. Go and learn something you haven't seen before or didn't even know was at Auburn because I didn't know fly fishing was at Auburn until just now on O week. So go check that out and get involved in something because that's how me and Davis ended up sitting in this room right now talking to you is getting involved. So it's very important. You have a lot of uh, free time as a student and use it to make something better of yourself and your community and go check out O week and make something happen. I'm going to be honest. I don't think I've gone on the concourse in a while. I've had like last time I was on the con, I mean like obviously I've been on it, but like walked down it to get to class. Last time I went on it, I got berated to get elections. And now I just, I don't know, like a Pavlovian response. I don't go on it at all going to class. I don't, I don't want to get talked to while I'm trying to get to class. Well, I might go out and talk to the Tabletop Gaming Club after we're done here because O-Week's the, the time to go out there. All right, we'll be back on the other side of a break, and when we come back, we'll be continuing to discuss the goings-on at Auburn, might bring up a little sports, and we might have a guest. You never know what will happen on Compact Discourse. Thank you for listening, and we'll be right back. Compact Discourse. I am your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside Davis Carroll as we are moving into the second segment of the show. It is 8.18 a.m. on this fine Tuesday morning, and we were just discussing uh, what's changed over the summer in Auburn and pros and cons, what we like about them, what we don't, new Tiger cards, new Tiger transits. This has probably been the biggest semester of change in my five years here, or I guess four summers, if you want to look at it like that. So, overall thoughts, Davis? I think, I don't want to sound like an old guy here. Actually, no, no. But I do I do have an issue with going down Magnolia. You've gone down Magnolia when classes were getting out? Yes. I got stuck at the, what is it called, West Mag? What's it called? The 620, 320? The new Chick-fil-A apartment place. I got stuck there for like seven minutes because people kept crossing, which I, I guess they're trying to go home. But I don't know. I should have gone the other way. I mean, that's mostly my fault. But, yeah, that's my biggest gripe. I was very aggravated yesterday. I was trying to get somewhere on time. Whatever I was getting out of class. Mm, interesting. That's why I, I usually opt for for bike riding. That'd be smart, but my bike's <laughs> tires are flat, and I've never unlocked it since I got here. Interesting. Hmm. I don't want to get hit by a car. It's well, my biggest thing. I feel like I'll definitely I'd be the one to get hit by a car. I had a few close calls this past weekend, but... It hasn't happened yet, so until it does, I'm not too worried about it. You're sl- like you're having a collision course. The cl- you keep getting closer and closer. You're gonna end up. It's gonna happen eventually. Yeah, I'm flying, well, I guess you're just getting out of the way. Flying too close to the sun. That's true. <laughs> I'm not a big bike rider. I I, I rented one of those bikes last semester. The orange ones. Yeah. I don't. Too many hills. I'm more of a walker. Fair enough. So, looking once again at the event calendar, um, I do want to remind everybody, I know I said it last time, but a week is very important, so get out there to the concourse and go talk to at least one 
of a student organizations. And if you're already involved in one, try to get involved in another. That's what I did. And kind of the collaboration between the two is what's, uh, what, what's made the students experience a lot of fun for me. So with that, we can, uh, let's, let's, uh, let's move over. I know there were some NFL preseason games last night we can talk about. Um, as we are still looking at some, some roster positions looking to be made up, including what the Saints are going to be doing without Drew Brees, as Jameis Winston made a pretty convincing case for QB1 last night in the Saints preseason game. I don't think the starting QB should be anybody else but Jameis Winston for the Saints. Taysom Hill has shown he's not fit for the challenge mm-hmm. in that game where he threw like two interceptions or whatever, whenever that was. But like, he's just, Taysom Hill's, I think he's perennially going to be the uh, kind of the, the gadget player. The utility guy? Yeah. Okay. I don't think he's, he probably, he might, if Jameis Winston starts throwing picks like he usually does, mm-hmm. they probably give Taysom Hill the start maybe one or two games, but I don't think it's, he's the guy. If it's not Jameis, they should go for someone else instead of Taysom. Very well. Um, and then on top of that, another big headline from last night's NFL preseason action was that Etienne on the Jaguars now has a foot injury, so he will be out for an undetermined amount of time, which is a pretty big blow to the Jaguars. I know they were excited about him being on the team. The Jaguars are kind of a wild card. I don't really know what they're going to bring to the table once the season starts because – Trevor Lawrence hasn't looked amazing in preseason, but, I mean, it's preseason. You can't put a lot of stock into what you're seeing on the fields in August rather than September and October. So I'm not really sure how this affects the Jaguars. Obviously, it's it's something you wish didn't happen for the Jags, but it is something they're going to have to overcome, and it, I, I, I just don't know how crucial a piece of the offense Etienne was going to be and how this is going to affect them. What 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 ramifications is this going to have to the entire Jags roster? I think the Jags' main priority should be shoring up that offensive line. I know they have players injured, but like it's just abysmal. They're not going to be able to do anything with Etienne. It's Etienne, right? Yeah, Etienne. That sounds right to Travis? me. Travis. Yeah, Etienne or Lawrence. If they can't shore up that offensive line, it's just mm-hmm. going to be another David Carr situation. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, his first preseason snap, he got tackled for a loss, I think a strip sack even. So it, it, there's no there's no sense in having a great offense if you can't bolster it with an offensive line that's going to give your, your 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 skill positions a chance to make the play. And that's the Jags don't have that currently. And you're going to need that when you're in a tough division like that, especially with everyone else. I mean, the AFC is going to be pretty deep this year. And I, I haven't looked at the Jags schedule, but it is going to be a pretty tough ride when it comes to taking care of business if you can't even put an offensive line together. Let's see. I'll, I'll check the schedule real quick for you. Uh, first week they have Houston, then they go to Denver, Arizona. Arizona probably is going to be their hardest game in their first bit, in their first stretch besides Tennessee. And then later on they have Seattle, Tennessee again. Obviously they're in the same uh, division. They're going to play New England, but I think New England's kind of a wild card this year. I mean, they weren't really amazing last year. Right. You don't know what you're going to get with New England. They could either go back to being like Matt Castle. You remember that year when Tom Brady got hurt? And Matt was it Matt Castle? Uh, yeah. Took over and they went like what ten and six or whatever, mm-hmm. eleven and five, and then Matt Castle got a big contract from the Chiefs. Maybe 
it might be something like that where you don't expect it. I, lo- I love Cam. I know you do too. But I'm not sure how well he fits into that offense. I don't think Mac Jones is really looking that great either. He has promise, though. I'll say that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think the the Patriots, I mean, they have all the talent they need. It's just a matter of whether or not they can put it together this season. But, you know, that that's that's what's going to make this season so intriguing is that you really – obviously you have the Bucks and the Chiefs coming back, but there's a lot of shifting in the balance of power in the NFL. So it's going to make this season super compelling, I hope. Um, if the Cowboys can figure out – how to manage COVID, that would help as well as they have gone completely virtual in their practice as three more of the Cowboys players and coaches have tested positive for COVID-19. So the Cowboys are dealing with a COVID situation right now. Uh, Completely virtual? Do they have to like work out at home and prove that they did it? I remember that happened over COVID where like the players would have to like, they do the workout in their yard and they have to send a video to their coaches. Oh, I think one team did that. Um, or are they just like watching? It's gonna be like Jamarcus Russell watching film. Yeah. Um. So C.D. Lamb is included in that on the COVID list, um, including um, Dan Quinn and Carlos Watkins, I believe, as well. Um. So it looks like ninety-three. They said that ninety-three percent of their players are fully vaccinated, which would account for eighty of eighty-six players on the roster. And they required that the entire coaching staff and support staff needed to be fully vaccinated before the start of training camp in order to work in proximity to the players. So, honestly, it seems like they did everything they could. But as we all know, the vaccination is not a guarantee. You can still catch COVID with a vaccination. It just helps a little bit with your symptoms. So, it looks like the Cowboys are going – I mean – Mike McCarthy and the Cowboys are still struggling with this COVID thing. It's unfortunate to be dealing with it at such a crucial part of camp as Auburn's kind of dealing with right now with their COVID situation. But uh, you kind of have to look at the bigger picture and prioritize and take care of what's important beforehand. So Mike McCarthy says his job is to make sure that we have a plan regardless of what happens. And I think that is pretty good mantra to follow considering um how quickly the world changes these days so um some more nfl news before we go head to a break we have some news regarding what goodell said about the bills if you saw this i did what did he say Um, never know with goodell that rascal what's he up to today um he, he his 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 quote that's being pulled is that he thinks a new stadium is what's needed in order to keep the Bills in Buffalo. So that doesn't seem like a thing he should be commenting on at all. What do you think she should be commenting on? Not that. It seems like tampering. <laughs> if 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 someone in the NBA said that, they would be fined so much that they would it'd be like Bobby Bonilla Day for fining. What if Adam Silver said the Warriors need a new arena? I feel I don't think that I think that's kind of out of line for him. He's I don't personally that's kind of sounds like an old person thing to say, but like I feel like that's maybe tainting. That's like giving the idea to the owner that they could move. They have a reason to move. They could pull a, a Indianapolis or Baltimore Colts move in the middle of the night. Where were the Bills even moved to? The Colts kind I of mean, their thing. The San Antonio's always the hot. 
That kind of loses the Bills' charm. They play in the cold is their whole thing. I one, guess. They're one of the teams that do, obviously. But they can move to Canada. I don't know. I mean, the league's concerned with making money. Not, they go to Switzerland, not, first not, international not the team. Charm. <laughs> so um, I'll, just, I'll just pull a few sound bites um, out, of, out of what Goodell said. Um, he said, you've got to think long term. This has been going on for decades, and it's time you get a new stadium done that we can make sure the Bills are here and successful for many, many decades going forward. We're focused on keeping the Bills in Buffalo in a new stadium in a public-private partnership. That's what this is all about, and that's what where we're focusing, which I kind of seems like like a hostage negotiation, <laughs> you know? It's like it'd be a real shame if the Bills were to move because we can't get a new stadium. That's what I'm saying. All right. Upon closer reflection, I, th- I think this is, a, is, this is a bit hokey. I mean, obviously, Goodell's not. He wants to make as much. He obviously wants to make more money. He's the he's the commissioner of the league. He wants the league to make money, and obviously Buffalo. I guess not obviously Buffalo is not a big market team though. Yeah. So you can move them to. I don't even know where. Besides Tor- San Antonio, Toronto. I don't know. The th- I'd like. I'd love NFL to go international. But does that work logistically? Like the same thing with. I mean, if it's to Canada, yes. If it's to. London. Yeah, no. yeah, obviously not no. to London. But, like, I'm not sure if the NFL is ready to do that. Because they also, I feel like they'd have to also get another team. They don't, I feel like they'd have to expand. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it's, it's the classic conundrum of the, the Dodgers weren't about, allowed to move out west unless the Giants went too because you have to make a trip there worthwhile. That's the thing. I'd love for the NBA to have another expansion, specifically to, like, Mexico City. That's, like... Dream expansion for me. Could be big. But that would be very difficult because of the amount of traveling you'd have to do. Because already to travel to Toronto to play for I any mean, team. isn't that just like traveling to Portland? I mean, I guess, but you also have to go through customs and stuff as well. You have to go through a lot of extra stuff. I don't know. I All right. Well, on the other side of the break, we'll continue to talk about maybe some NFL relocation, some conference realignment. And I have a story about how athletes don't travel like the rest of us when we mm. get back. All right. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Compact Discourse. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Compact Discourse. I'm your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside the illustrious Davis Carroll. And joining us in the booth once again is Grayson Moyer. I apologize for a little out of breath. During the break, I ran to the bathroom and ran into our janitor, Carl, (laughs) and our advisor, Britt Bowen, and had to have a separate conversation with each of them. And All in the span of two minutes. And I um, had a Charlie horse in my leg last night, and it really hurts this morning, so... If you saw the guy in the purple shirt limping through the student center, that was me. All right, on with the show. It is bottom of the hour, 8.30, so it's time for your Auburn University weather report. It's currently 80 degrees and sunny. Uh, It was very humid outside this morning. My bike was very wet from the condensation that appeared on it from my cold apartment. Uh, It should get up to about 86 with blinding sun this morning. Clouds should roll in by this afternoon. Stick it around 90, and we'll cool off a little bit tonight. Overnight temperature at around 74. 
Little to no chance of rain. We got a 10% chance this afternoon, so maybe a scattered thunderstorm here or there, but it should dry up pretty quickly if it is to rain on you. So go outside and enjoy this late summer day as we continue to talk on Compact Discourse. For the break, we were talking a little bit about NFL realignment and mostly just the Bills moving out of Buffalo. Um, and Davis, you uh, you discussed you'd like an NBA team in Mexico City. I would love that. They've, I mean, they've that's kind of been like a rumored thing. People have like kind of whispered about that if they do expand, which is not likely anytime soon. If they do expand, obviously Seattle's the like the obvious destination. Bring back the SuperSonics. A lot of a lot of fan support there. Not as much fan support in Mexico City, but there is a there is a they did play in Mexico City recently. I think uh, a year or two ago. I mean, a lot of teams, everyone's played in Mexico City, except for hockey, I think. There you go. Um, I mean, there's fan support there, but it's not as much as like Seattle I think or even Vegas. The Padres threw a no-hitter down in Mexico City. Good. And I believe um, the, the Raiders played a game down in Mexico City, if you remember that. I Someone do. was shining a laser pointer in Derek Carr's face. I do. <laughs> so that, that's what I remember from the NFL's trip down south of the border. Um, I did promise a story about uh, traveling with athletes, so... Here you go. I was over the summer. I was in the Miami International Airport in Miami. Yeah. Believe it or not. Yeah. Um, and I had just gone to the Braves Marlins game, and as I was leaving the airport, I was getting into security, and as that happens, two guys, like six and a half foot tall guys, with like. 10 duffel bags each over their shoulders come up with like a handler. You know how when you go to Disney World, there's those guys in like the plaid vest that are like handlers of people if there's like a celebrity or like a VIP. Yeah, where they like follow the actor yeah. around. Mm-hmm. So, th- so they had a handler and he would he came he went up to the TSA agent and he said something, something, something. And then um, uh, the two guys just like walked to the front of the line, dropped all their duffel bags and their shoes and their hats and everything. And they just went right through ahead of everybody else. And uh, the whispers were that those were um, two minor league players trying to get back to Cleveland before the All-Star game. What? Yeah. Two minor leaguers got to skip you in line? Yeah, I mean. I thought the whole appeal of minor league is that you're just a regular person. <laughs> you don't get to skip lines. But but they play baseball so good. That's what you Yeah, need. I could play in a, on a recreational softball league. Doesn't mean I can skip a line. Uh, that's not the minor. Don't, don't compare the minor no, league no, to no, no, softball. No. Some of the people that's that play in single A and double A. Terrible take. Terrible listen, take. listen. If you train hard, you talked about this. If you train hard enough, it's not that difficult to make like single A. Triple A is pretty hard. Double A is a lot hard. Well, sure, but you're making an assumption that these people are from single A, though, that they're not. Where were they from, Jack? The guy next to me caught one of their names and started looking them up, and he did pull up a picture, and I don't think they have pictures in single A. See, See, that's what I'm saying. So they were at least on, like, the AAA team. But the thing is, it's not like it was Wander Franco trying to go through the line. It could have been a... Uh, the fact that you don't know their name who, is the, is my point. They should have skipped the line. Who's our Auburn Tiger on the Cleveland farm farm team? Is that is that um Brooks Fuller? <laughs> no, it's not Brooks Fuller. <laughs> um the one that isn't Casey Mize. I'm sorry if you're if you're listening. But uh <laughs> Tanner Burns. Tanner Burns, yes, on the on the on the on the uh the Cleveland farm team. So maybe I should have asked if they knew Tanner Burns because these I mean this was the uh, the day before the All Star game, so I do look. 
I was just hating on minor leaguers, but in reality, they work really hard. They should get paid a lot more than they do. They oh, get paid oh, like so hundred. Oh, back. so now I it's a it. labor dispute. It is. They get paid like a hundred bucks, bro. What? They do. Uh, I'm saying they have to ride buses. Minor yeah, leaguers I, do have I, it hard. I know they don't get paid very well. That doesn't. But there are a lot of there are a lot of bums in minor leagues. You're, That's you're why they're stuck you, there. These are two separate takes. All right. And you're, you're trying I to have walk back your original no, not, terrible not, take about I'm it being I'm not the same thing as AAA softball or not rec league uh, softball. You know what I mean. I was exaggerating for radio, Grayson. Oh, I'm oh, not walking good. back my take. I still say that maybe minor leaguers, unless they're a big name, should they be skipping you in line? I don't yes. know. They play baseball good, therefore they get to go on the plane. See, you're saying it with a sardonic attitude like you're on my side. Okay, but I mean, I have had situations where I've been in the security line and someone comes up and addresses everybody and he's like, hey, I'm late. Can I go to the front of the line? And everybody's like, yeah, I That's guess. That's different. That's different. But though. I think they ask you. I'd be like, okay, yeah, yeah. But also, like, but then you go over my head to ask. <laughs> in a general sense, they're also just—it's two spots in line. That's like yeah, yeah. I'm not, I mean, like, I'm not worried about the say. skipping part. Like, should we really care even if they play baseball good or not? I mean, like, Davis is kind of having a Costanza moment. This is like, <laughs> like without order, there's chaos. You know, we live in a society. <laughs> hey, man. You can't just skip the TSA line. It sounds like all my classes this year. <laughs> but here's the thing: if someone. Th- if you like skipped me in line, I didn't know you. I probably wouldn't say. I wouldn't say anything. Yeah, exactly. But That's, like, well, there is no order. I, I'd That's be, I'd saying. be aggravated. You're, you're I'd be like, chaos. this guy skipped me. But I wouldn't be like, hey, you back of the line. Exactly. We're all too polite to actually deal with the chaos, so we do just live in chaos, which means it's okay to cut in line. This is my hardest all stance. Right. I have another airplane airplane line story. <laughs> if you could believe it, if you can believe oh, that. No. Okay, you know how? I don't know if this is. I can't even think. You know how back when you had paper boarding passes? Yes. You'd stand on the little pylons, and you'd, and you'd, uh, and you'd walk up to the, the desk by the tunnel, by the gangway, and they'd scan it, and it would make that iconic, like, doo sound. You know that one? No. You know that sound? I do know about the paper pass. Okay. The paper it tickets. makes a very iconic boarding pass scanned sound. And so it was a very, like, rhythmic, like, ding, 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 ding. And one guy, it went up, and as I scanned it, it just went, eh. <laughs> and then the this like big Italian guy that was standing right next to the desk went back of the line, buddy. <laughs> was he like trying to get on before his? No, like, was I, this a Southwest flight. I don't really know what the context was. It was just a very funny like audio visual gag <laughs> that I just happened to witness of just like like uh, a, a wannabe comedian just making a funny <laughs> observation about the sound he just heard. Airports are great. They're the crossroads of the world. You never know what you're going to see there. Airports are cool until your parents make you get there four hours early. Hey, no, you got to get on that. That's that's what it's, it's all important, about. I don't want to sit there for three hours what and think do? about my life. What are you going to do, sit at home for three hours? Yeah. Might as well just... I'll, I'll go there an hour early. At least in the I'm airport... I'm not going to miss my like, plane. At least in the airport, you can, like, play on your laptop and spend too much on coffee. <laughs> yeah, like, you can spend $28 for a pair of earbuds. That's the best part. My, my, last time I was at the airport... Maybe it was just... A la- last time I was at the airport, I went to Europe. And okay. that was a hard flight. And we got there, like, way too early. And I didn't have anything to do. I just sat there. And that's your mistake. It's not my mistake. It was my grandparents. <laughs> oh, oh! So they were supposed to entertain you all the time, or your what? grandparents like your court I mean, jesters all of you, a sudden? You, I mean, that, that is the the trip to Europe is like you lost a day of your life, effectively. You're yeah. supposed to stay awake when you get over there, but I just fell right asleep, and then it messed up my entire sleep schedule. Uh, yeah, I, I I can attest. I did not sleep very well 
for that entire week. I went to Europe. The or, beds were or comfortable. When I got back, mine, mine were not. The TVs at night were even were crazy. What the TV stations? <laughs> Going to Europe is kind of the five a.m. club. It's awesome. It's the same thing. We don't talk about that enough. We need to get back on that. Listeners, th- we're revealing a secret about me, Jack, and Davis right now. Right. So uh, it, it's, it's unfortunate that this, <laughs> that this group of people has been assembled in this fashion. But um, at, at, at some point in our, in our young, sprightly college lives, th- so th- last year. This, this, this group of people assembled in the booth right now used to wake up at 5 a.m. every morning and watch the sunset and drink coffee and occasionally... Sunrise. Yeah, well, we shifted to sunset later because <laughs> we stopped waking up at five a.m. That that was that was crucial. It happened twice, uh, maybe three times. So yeah, we 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 all there. We'd make a big pot of coffee. We'd go sit on the wall at my apartment, watch the sun rise over Sanford Hall. It was a beautiful sight. We'd uh, go ride a stationary bike sometimes. That yeah. was that oh, was a re- that, that, tr- that was early. <laughs> we did that before we did the sunrise. If you could believe that, yeah. It was the evolution and, into and it. And now I'm the only one that still wakes up at five. And you know what? Jack and I wake up at six sometimes to get gains, but we can't currently. That's right. Yeah, our uh, our our uh, commanding officer is out of commission. <laughs> so <laughs> he's almost back. He's almost back. Get well soon. I wouldn't call him. He's like eight days off. Like I mean, he feels better at least. Yeah, that's good. So, oh. that's that. That's that. Airports, lines. You have any other wake, funny waking up stories? early? Um, I mean, I have I have some like some some funny riffs I could do about the airport. <laughs> oh no! Uh, What's the deal with the airport? I, as someone who enjoys <laughs> knickknacks, I really enjoy airport <laughs> gift shops. I like the little toy planes you could buy. I like magnets a lot. Every time, every time I go. To a to a place, I get a I get a fridge magnet, one of those square those rectangular ones to put on my, my mini fridge, and without fail, I always like wait too long to get it because I'm always hoping there's a better one and end up just buying one at the airport <laughs> on my way home. So I have um, a lot of airport magnets that cost like fourteen dollars instead of like two, but you know. It's it it it's it's uh it's better to have a good story than a good time. That's fair. Did you uh did you ever fly as an unaccompanied minor? Did you get the little wings pin? I no um the first what? the only achievement ta- the first time yeah. I ever flew on a plane by myself was uh when I was my first year of college when I went to to Mexico. I think when I was I didn't go to Mexico by myself. <laughs> by the way, don't ask. Jack's criminal. Now I'm, now I'm gonna ask off the air. This is my yeah. my mule era. <laughs> No, I think when I was I was probably nine or ten, I went to St. Louis with my dad, and he had to go somewhere else, and I came back by myself. And the flight attendant just came by and was like, "Would you like a pin, random child?" And I was like, "Yes, I would." Unaccompanied minors. Unaccompanied minors on planes are kind of like the most. It's weird. It was scary. Like they I thought, love you there. They make, they take care of you. Well, yeah, As we're like what I've heard at least liability. Like that's true. <laughs> So much could this go kid wrong. on the plane went missing. What are we like, gonna do? Don't, ex- don't mistake care for 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 CYA Pl- for, plane? For, for liability. Airplanes are the only place where you can just leave a kid alone and ship them to a different city. Like, <laughs> yeah, you can't do that on trains. You're in buses. a sealed metal barrel, so <laughs> you're not escaping. You, they didn't catch me. If you can, <laughs> that's a movie. It, it was based on a true story. <laughs> he actually did that, Grayson. Leo DiCaprio's character actually did that. Well, he was also 16. I, you can do this with, like, 8-year-olds. Abignail, is that his name? All right, we'll be right back with a little more catch-me-if-you-can discussion that on the other side out. of this break. Uh, you are listening to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to Compact Discourse. I am your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside the illustrious Davis Carroll and the irrevocable Grayson Moyer, WEGL station manager, in the booth today. We are discussing Catch Me If You Can. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, re- it's real. It was all real. <laughs> all but right. apparently he, did, he wasn't as buddy-buddy with the cop as what you said. All right. That's enough Catch Me If You Can what? discussion for one episode. It wasn't as, it wasn't as riveting to you as it was to me. <laughs> Um, we'll move on to some breaking news that will be announced later on today. Uh, if you tuned into yesterday's show, you will remember that we talked a little bit about the dominoes falling as a result of Oklahoma and Texas joining the SEC, the imminent change that will be approaching soon enough. And we, we all speculated a little bit about uh, what, what dominoes would fall in what order, how the Big 12 would be carved up by the rest of the um, – by the rest of the conferences, and everyone's kind of licking their chops, trying to, to cut the best piece off of the middle of the country conference. So it looks like we have our answer. Um, this is coming from ESPN's Adam Rittenberg. The alliance between the ACC, Big Ten, and Pac-12 will be announced at 2 p.m. Eastern time today. So uh, get ready for that. The three leagues are expected to emphasize, quote, common values and unanimous support impacting key topics affecting college athletes and school in all sports. Sources say the Pac-12 has been the most aggressive of the three leagues in forming and encouraging the alliance. So why they use the word alliance? I really don't. That yeah. was a lot of a lot of nothing. I, but I have some questions. Well, um, I have some uh, some editorializing down here. It seems like the gist of the alliance, which is a source said in response to the shifting landscape of college athletics, but not necessarily a direct counter to the SEC on its way to becoming the first 16-team super conference, is an ability to collaborate academically and athletically among some of the country's highest-regarded research institutions. The bottom line is that there is no immediate or direct impact today on college football. Um, That, of course, coming from ESPN's Adam Rittenberg. So they're being very diplomatic about it. It sounds like that was a lot of words to say not a lot of things. But basically, it looks like the ACC, Big Ten, and Pac-12 are probably going to collaborate in carving up the rest of the Big 12, the remaining eight teams who are not, who by the time the Big 12 dissolves here in a few years, will not have a home. Davis? I can't wait to be old and be like, I remember when the Big 12 was a thing. To my kids. <laughs> I'm going to be like one of those dads that has random fun facts. and be like, that's every, not true, Dad. Every time you crack a Dr. Pepper, you'll remember. <laughs> I, I remember. You ever heard of the story of the Big 12? No, I remember when Iowa State was in the championship. So for, forgive me for not really understanding the, the politics of this situation. Yeah, go ahead. What is, or at least how many teams are there in the SEC now? I mean, what are... So um, on paper, there's 14. Okay. But um, the deal right now is that uh, Texas and Oklahoma, who currently reside in the Big 12, um, are going to be moving to the SEC on paper by 2025, but every year that gets closer, the buyout is going to get less and less and less right. until the SEC is going to be able to afford it or the Big 12 completely implodes um, and there's no more contract to be had. So right. in reality, what I've been told by Hillman and Carter and a few other people who are, uh, have, the, have their finger on the pulse of college football a little more than me is that uh, Texas and Oklahoma will probably be pay, playing SEC football within the next year or two. And that's going to leave the Big 12 with only eight teams 
and eight teams that aren't very good at football. The Big Eight just doesn't sound very good. Well, the Big Eight was what they originally the, – the Big Eight was the first conference. It just doesn't sound very good. Okay, David. That's why it's not the Big that's Eight probably anymore. Why they, they'll, they'll, that's probably why they're done. doesn't sound <laughs> very good. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Um, so the Big 12, infamous for not having 12 teams, um, will probably be on the outs. And it looks like the Pac-12 – the Pac-12, I imagine, is probably going to come pretty aggressively after the likes of, like, Texas Tech – and uh, who do you? Who else do you think? Maybe like Kansas, mm. Kansas State, despite being three thousand miles from the Pacific Coast. <laughs> I think the uh, the names are a bit of a formality at this point. Um, the The original like m- intent behind conferences was that they were regional because you wanted to recruit in your area, right? So by and and that that's still kind of the case. That's probably why the Big Ten picked up Rutgers is because Rutgers has not really done anything of note in the football sphere ever. But having Ohio State come to New York City effectively uh, once every two years is, is is kind of a boon for recruiting. So it, it it seems like we are approaching fast the era of super conferences with the SEC leading the way, and the ACC, Big Ten, and Pac-12 are kind of it seems like they're collaborating to kind of, I don't know, balance of power is probably, uh, if, if you want to be political about it, kind of make uh, make right what they kind of, they don't, they don't want to fall behind. Sure. Because that's, that's what did the Big 12 in, was falling behind. And so they, they don't want to get caught in the SEC's dust and have the SEC suck up the entire country. Right. Davis, thoughts? If the SEC takes over the entire country, you think they'll rename... To the to the sea, yeah. <laughs> I mean, at at some point, this is pretty unlikely. But why don't they? They could just make one big conference for all of them and call it the NCAA. Yeah, well, but make make it good, uh, not corrupt. This would be far off in the future, but could you see it like, you know, too many more dominoes falling and they get like antitrusted or something like that far ahead in the rules or is that like I don't is, is really there know. that much money flowing through these things yes there's a lot of money but the NCAA they don't get anti-trusted and they're and honestly I think the SEC does a, a better job of enforcing and writing rules than the NCAA does and that's I think if the NCAA were a, a better run organization the SEC wouldn't be so uh bent on aggressively expanding and try mm-hmm. to try to willing willing the rules to their favor. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. We'll probably discuss this later on the show when Hillman joins us because he um, will bring a unique perspective to this. But, um, I mean, I I said it yesterday on the show, but I'll bring it up again. At at, at some point, when does a conference get too big? Mm -hmm. So, like, what are your thoughts on that, Davis? Is that, like... I was just reading a thing about the Supreme Court ruling (laughs) pertaining to the... uh, the collegiate players getting paid. Okay. Uh, Justice Scalia? No, it's not Scalia. Who was it? Is he alive? <laughs> no, he's not. No. <laughs> Justice Gorsuch a bizarre, said that a bizarre posthumous ruling <laughs> <laughs> said the NCAA is not above the law, so antitrust laws being put on them is not out of the question in the future. That's not what he said. The part is what he said. They're not above the law, okay. and I added the second part. All right, you're editorializing that's, that's the Supreme Court stretch, decision. I'm gonna say, but, but I mean, what a weird thing to say, considering. Yeah. Well, he said, "Is that it's like a government enforced monopoly almost?" Affirm yeah. that the NCAA is not exempt from antitrust laws in the process and is shot across the bow of colleges and universities. Well, I guess that's there you, you know, go. Shot across the bow. Wow, that's what it said. 
Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I guess part of the point, right? I, I don't know that conferences can get too big as long as there's, you know, more mm-hmm. than one, or at least there's effectively more than one. Like one's not necessarily overpowering all the others. Right. Like I, I definitely see where the other conferences are coming from and not wanting to have the SEC have too much, you know, power, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, I guess personally, I don't know enough to say that there should be a maximum size. This number of teams is too many or this amount of talent in the teams is too many. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, it, it's hard to separate this um, NCAA conference realignment from the name, image, and likeness ruling that's taken effect this year. Although I don't know exactly how the dots connect A to B, but it does seem that um, with something we discussed at length yesterday is that how now that the college athletes have the ability to have an additional stream of income based on the fact that they are a college athlete, you don't have to rely on going to a big school to focus on having a career and make money in the future. You could garner your own support and hype and then hitch your wagon to any school you want in the country and then make, make a career of it like that. So I think that will provide an interesting counter because traditionally you really have to go you have to go to a, a power five i mean a not just a power five school but the the upper echelon of the power five schools your oklahoma's your florida's your michigan's your ucla's places like that in order to even consider making money in the future but now that that it is it, it, has been the middleman's been cut out completely and there's there's it's kind of the wild west right now is the phrase that gets tossed around you can really go anywhere you want and expect to at least have a fair shot at uh, being compensated what you're worth. I still think players are going to go to the big ones, the big schools. If I you're mean, like, if you're really serious about making money, you're going to go to Bama well, and then write off one of their their sponsorships. Well, also like instead of doing like a Toyotathon, yeah, sponsorship <laughs> with, with NIL. You know, you think about it. This is part of like influencer culture. So going to one of those bigger schools does already yeah. set you up more for that because you have visibility in the first place to start making money and to grow your platform. Like Jack said, yes, you can hit your ride to any school, but it can also go the other way. You know, once you have the visibility from being a top player at a bigger school with a bigger fan base, you can also grow from there. Awesome. Well, a great discussion here on Compact Discourse. We will be right back in about five minutes on the other side of this hour break. And when we get back uh, for the second segment, we'll be discussing probably some baseball, some more NFL preseason what's going on in the world of sports and campus lifestyle. Uh, we'll get your weather report and a lot more. Even Jacob Hillman might be joining us in this second hour. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. And welcome back to Compact Discourse. I am your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside Davis Carroll. Thank you so much for for um, Grayson Moyer, station manager, for joining us for the last two segments. We had a pretty fun discussion. And joining us in the booth for this second hour, it is the bottom, uh, top of the hour, 9.04 a.m., is Jacob Hillman, returning guest from yesterday, WEGL co-sports director. Jacob, how are you doing this fine Tuesday morning? It's a good to be back. 
I'm a little tired after a long day yesterday, but ready to get back at it on this wonderful Tuesday. Making it happen. It's a, it's, it's a beautiful day outside. A little humid, but, uh, I mean, it's the dog days of summer. What do you expect? So, moving right along with our discussion, we want to remind you that if at any point in the show you feel so inclined to share your opinion with us, we are happy to hear it. If you want to drop a hot take or ask a question, you can go ahead and call in at 334-844-9345. That's 334-844-WEGL. And our dedicated team of call screeners will handle your call. Um, probably Jacob at this point. <laughs> um, you can also tweet us at CDISCAU. That's at C-D-I-S-C-A-U. And I'll probably get that to that one a little faster. And uh, just, yeah, if you want your opinion on the show, go ahead and get it on there. So... We had a little bit of discussion over this past segment. We talked about a lot of things, including uh, student life once again, changes coming to Auburn. We talked about Tiger cards, transit buses, everything that's going on in Auburn. And uh, we also talked a little bit about baseball, a little bit about NFL preseason, and the conference realignment. We also talked about airports and catch me if you can, if you can believe that. Thanks, Davis. Well, Jack didn't let me talk about catching. He, he scared it away pretty quick. I think I think we reached our quota for catch me if you can discussion. We could have made the joke about the laundry scene. <laughs> All right. What's the deal with that? Moving swiftly <laughs> along um, to things that aren't <laughs> Tom Hanks movies. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's just everything he says is a stitch. Um, so Hillman, before the break, we were discussing this announcement um, that the ACC, Big Ten, and Pac-12 alliance is getting announced today. Do you have your finger on the pulse of this decision? Do you know I, what to expect? I've seen it. I don't. Yeah, I don't know what to expect. As in, I don't know exactly what this is going to mean, other than the Big Twelve is about to be dissolved because mm-hmm. it, that, that this is the ACC, Big Ten, and Pac twelve saying, "You guys have fallen behind. We're not even going to try to save you. I'm sorry. It's time for you to dissolve and let us." divide the rest of the teams up among ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I, I really don't know what kind of announcement this is going to be. I don't know if this is going to be their plan laid out. I don't know if this is going to be them just saying, screw the SEC, they're ruining college football. But I guess we're going to find out today. Have you read this Rittenberg article about it on ESPN? I have not. Okay, well, something I find very interesting is that he kind of explains what the conferences are saying and then he goes down and editorializes it and kind of says what he thinks they're saying. Yeah. And it's a lot of really fluffy language that doesn't yeah. explain hardly anything. I read this in the last segment, but I'll say it once again. Um, Rittenberg says, The gist of the alliance, which is a source said, is in response to the shifting landscape of college, college athletics, but not necessarily a direct counter to the SEC on its way to becoming the first 16-team super conference is an ability to collaborate academically and athletically among some of the country's highest regarded research institutions. So I'm really not saying much there. No, because it's almost him saying, I don't really know, so I'm not going to go out and say, oh, this is for sure uh, indirect with the SEC. It, it, it's him just saying, yeah, there's going to be an announcement I don't know what the language is going to be. I think that's what's going to tell us exactly what they're trying to do is the language of whatever announcement they make today. And I don't know if this alliance is going to... I mean, that that's the whole thing is, are they actually going to become allies just to kill the Big 12, or is that mm-hmm. to just keep up with the SEC? I mean, what... All right, here, here, stick with me here. 
Um, I've been listening to the Great Courses Plus history of the British Empire, right? What this reminds me exactly of was in the, in the late 19th century when all the great powers of Europe sat in a room and decided who was going to take which part of Africa. Okay. They're basically yeah. all getting, they're just sharpening their carving knives and deciding who gets what. It's exactly the same. I, I, don't, I don't disagree at all because, <laughs> I mean, you basically look at Africa like the Big 12 because they're trying, it's the powers trying to figure out how they're going to take over that mm-hmm. land, and that's what the ACC, Pac-12, and the Big 10 are doing. They're about to swarm the Big 12 area and take on those schools, and I imagine there's going to be some American Athletic Conference schools that are also in this mix. And it probably be the Pac-12 that has to take that because, obviously, a lot of people talk about, I'm surprised the Pac-12 is not the first one to dissolve because of how bad they've been in so many sports over mm-hmm. the past decade. So, and the reason it makes sense is because of geography. Mm-hmm. No, no, te- no conference over here is going to want any school over there other than maybe Oregon or USC, in which is still ge- ge- geographically doesn't make sense at all. Yeah, and it's it, it's these teams like forming an alliance almost so that they aren't fighting each other to to take down the Big Twelve. They're they're all meeting in a room, and it's a, it's a it's a balance of power because it's almost like these three conferences combined are of equal strength to the SEC. And I think that's what they're I think they're trying to keep up with the SEC versus taking down the Big Twelve. But part of keeping up with the SEC is taking down the Big Twelve so that. One conference can have Kansas basketball. Another one can have Oklahoma State football. And then, you know, t- the air raids of Texas Tech and Baylor can go to the Pac-12. And, and just all these different strategies, I think that's why they're, they're doing an alliance. So that way they don't hurt each other by just having a power struggle for each and every one of these teams. Mm-hmm. And this ESPN article say that sources say that the Pac-12 has been the most aggressive of the three in pursuing this alliance. And the initial read of that is that the Pac-12 is being the most aggressive. But if you think about it a little more, that's probably saying that the Pac-12 is the weakest of the three. So they're pushing for a collaborative effort because they know they're toast if they try to go it alone. Well, they're they're lucky, like I said, that a lot of people are surprised that the Pac-12 is not the first conference to go down. That's why they're going to be aggressive because they truly believe that this can save their conference in – Whatever way. I don't know if Texas Tech and Baylor are going to be big game changers for them, but maybe they'll pick up Oklahoma State. Maybe they'll get Oklahoma State and BYU or Boise State. And if they do that, then, okay, I see their I see their game plan, and I think that that will help them survive a little bit longer. I don't know if that's going to last past their next TV deal, which I'm not sure when exactly. It's probably 2025 like every other TV deal except the ACC. But we're just going to have to see because – the Pac-12 is just so bad. I mean, in everything they do, it just—they cannot I really mean, make this move because they're, it's they're, all because of their TV contracts. They're great at beach volleyball. Okay, yeah. And what wa- SEC team has a beach like, volleyball and team? And like pool sports. And okay, they're good at the pool sports. Stanford is. Yeah, Stanford's good. Um, another detail I found interesting from this article is that teams from the three leagues are expected to start scheduling more games with each other. The Pac-12. Uh, is potentially reducing the the number of ga- league games they play from nine to eight to allow them to play more Power Five opponents. That's kind of a risky situation if you're the Pac-12. I think it's smart for the Pac-12. It's not because, <laughs> as I said, the Pac-12 is bad. 
people don't want to watch those games. Whereas whenever Oregon plays Ohio State this year, that's going to be the highest rated Pac-12 game of the season. I mean, not it won't be close either. And, of course, you can blame that all on kickoff times and whatever you want to. You know, we've had that discussion twice with Toby Gerhardt and Christian McCaffrey being in the Heisman discussions, and everyone's saying, oh, they didn't win the Heisman because no one watched their games. Well, yeah, but the reason they didn't watch the games is because look at the competition. It's not fun. Of course, Toby Gerhardt was during the Pac-12's peak. It was the Pac-10 still, and that's when Oregon was running the show. And USC's dynasty had just kind of ended, but they were still Mm -hmm. figuring things out. Stanford was good. But right now... I just don't see how they survive. Yeah, and then, unless they play this perfectly. You you think about, <clears throat> excuse me, you think about these memorable early season in um, Power Five beat Power Five games, and um, like immediately those uh, when Michigan State and Oregon did a home and home back in 2013, 2014, that jumps out. I mean, because it's like a Rose Bowl preview right. if you want to look at it like that. And then the closest thing the Pac-12 has done to that recently is like send USC to the woodshed out in Dallas to get housed by Alabama. Yeah, Auburn, Oregon. And it, it's one of those things that, like I said, it's all about TV. It's all about the TV ratings, all about the TV money. And the Pac-12's highest-rated game this year, just put in the books, will be that Oregon-USC or Ohio State game. And that, and part of that is because Columbus is such a huge college football market. Every year you see top college football markets, Birmingham's number one, Columbus is number two. Every year. It never fails. And that's just because... Those those cities and those states, they care about college football more than anywhere else. And I think that's part of why the big tw- uh, the Pac-12 struggles. Davis? I've just been thinking the whole time. Y- y'all are doing a great job. Y'all know the conference is a lot better than me. I'm just thinking the whole time. The, the use of the word alliance makes it seem like they're going to go to war with the SEC. Well, the SEC is kind of like the empire. I mean, yeah. Now those oh, three are like the Rebel Alliance. <laughs> the Alliance of American Football. I can't wait for the will. 30 for 30 in 20 years where they make it seem like a war. Where they have Donald Trump mic'd up. <laughs> Whoa, that'd be crazy. Okay, okay, Mark Emmert. Sorry, yeah, you're out. Donald Trump, you're the new president small, of small the potatoes. All right, a great discussion here on Compact Discourse. We'll be right back in a few minutes. And uh, we might talk a little baseball as we are in the dog days of summer. And it's unavoidable at this point. Some great headlines from across the world of America's pastime. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Compact Discourse. I am your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside Jacob Hillman in the Bradley Baisden WEGL studios here in the Harold Melton Student Center on the campus of Auburn University, where it is a sunny and 83 on this beautiful Tuesday morning. It's 9.18 a.m., and we are ready to get into some baseball chat. We want to thank Davis Carroll for uh, joining me on the show and helping me get through that first hour and a half. Uh, He was wearing his Seattle Mariners shirt. Even though he's a Padres fan. Yeah, make that make sense. But we'll get into some headlines for baseball. Um, We'll start off with... Scores from last night, Boston doubled up on the Texas Rangers in Fenway, 8-4. to Walk-off grand slam in the 11th. In the 11th inning. How about that? Pittsburgh took care of Arizona, 6-5, to in the basement cage match of the National <laughs> League. Uh, Toronto takes care of Chicago, 2-1. to 
The Cubbies take care of Colorado 6-4 in Wrigley. Kansas City all over Houston in Minute Maid 7-1 in the juice box. And the Seattle Mariners are really making their case in the AL West as they take care of Oakland 5-3. And, of course, the New York Yankees beat the Atlanta Braves 5-1. Whoa! Yankee with no brim! It's, it, it's, it hurts. I, I have a lot to say about this game just because you're on a nine-game winning streak. Yeah, uh, I mentioned this detail early in the show, but uh, before I, I let Hillman, or I think Hillmania, we'll see here in a second <laughs> as he goes on a tear about his Bravos, the Yankees-Braves game last night was the first time in over 119 yes. years that both teams entered the game on a nine-plus game winning streak. Of course, someone's streak had to end, and it was our beloved Bravos. I really need to stop saying the Braves may never lose again because I think they're 0-3 after I've made that claim. Well, I, you know, I want to talk about that stat for a second because that is insane to me. Because I know it's baseball, and mm-hmm. winning nine in a row is crazy, but... There are so many baseball games. You right. Think, oh, it's also crazy that it's these two teams. Yeah. Two teams that struggled mightily Early in the beginning season. of the season. Like the Yankees who looked like like maybe even a fourth place team in their division. And like taking like the Red Sox are skidding and then the Yankees rattle off ten straight after dealing with so much adversity. Yeah. I mean, these are two teams that have been absolutely riddled with injuries and they've both taken care of business after the all star break. Yeah, and the and trade deadline. Absolutely. Both teams made Beautiful moves at the deadline. Obviously, the Yankees got Rizzo and Gallo, the Braves. They got Jock Peterson. They got Jorge Soler. They got Adam Duvall back. Never should have let him go in the first place. And then they got a little bit of pitching with Richard Rodriguez, which probably should have used him last night. But I don't know. The Yankees look great, and they're kind of a team that you hope, if you're not a Yankees fan, is not getting hot at the right time because – yeah, you still got a month and a half of the season left for them to cool down, but if they take this take this momentum into the playoffs, I don't think they're going to slow down. They've got the power, and the pitching, it can return. I, I really do. Garrett Cole, if he gets healthy you know, for good, then look out for the Yankees in the playoffs for sure. And the playoff races continue to heat up. The Yankees look like they have a spot right now as they um, are battling in a pretty tight bunch there in the American League right now looking at your standings the Rays are still kings of the AL East with a 77 and 48 record Yankees four games back Red Sox two and a half games behind them in the central it is the White Sox division to lose as Cleveland's still sitting at 500 nine games back and then I mentioned earlier the AL West is getting more interesting every day as the Astros are on a little bit of a skid 73 and 52 but the Mariners and Athletics are hot on their heels. Athletics three and a half games back. Mariners two games behind them. And as I mentioned, the Mariners just took care of the A's last night. So things are heating up in the playoff races. Moving over to the NL, Braves still hanging on to that first spot in the NL East. Pretty unbelievably, if you consider how much they struggled to get over that hill in all of pretty much June and July. They finally made it there. and doesn't look like they are stopping anytime soon. They maintain a four-and-a-half game lead over the Phillies. The Brewers look like they have the NL Central pretty much locked up. Seven-and-a-half games over the second-place Reds. And out west, it continues to be a showdown. Looks like it's going to come right down to the wire between the Giants and Dodgers. 
as the Giants maintain an 80-44 and 44 record with a two-and-a-half game lead over Los Doyers. The, the poor Padres. I mean, come on. They, they lost Fernando Tatis and just have fallen apart. Two and eight in their last ten. And they have a, I mean, here's the thing. They're 13 games back of the division lead. And in the wild card race, I think they're only a few games back. Yeah, they're only one game back of the Reds and Dodgers, but the Dodgers aren't falling out of the wild card race, and the Giants won't if the Dodgers were to win the division. And the Reds, they look really good. And then the team right behind the Padres is the Cardinals and the Phillies. I kind of don't see them making any kind of push. Neither do I see the Mets doing that. So, I mean, the Padres just got to hope that they can mellow out a little bit and hope that the Reds don't completely turn the things up because that's that's what I've seen a lot this year. And that's baseball is that just some teams get so streaky. Mm-hmm. And if the Reds get streaky, which they are right now, and then when they kind of kind of average back out, they just got to hope that they're worse than the Padres and that Tatis stays healthy. <coughs> but – Let's talk about the Braves. It's time. Okay. We, I need to have an intervention. I'm with, ready. With, with the Braves. Coaching staff, who, whoever's making these decisions to use your worst bullpen pitchers in a 3-1 to one game when you won nine games in a row and your bullpen's been so good and it's healthy and, and rested up because Max Freed just two or three days earlier has thrown a complete game shutout. So why in the world – are you bringing in A.J. Metzer, who he did really good in his one inning of work, but that doesn't mean I like the decision. Hindsight's twenty twenty. He came in, he got three outs. One ball was hit hard to the warning track, but he got the two other outs pretty easily. But then you bring in Edgar Santana, who I do think can be pretty good. He's young right now. He gets both the outs he got were shots to the warning track, and then a hard ground ball that Dancy Swanson had to make an incredible play on. But then walks here, big hit here, and then the bases are loaded. You bring in Jesse Chavez, who gives up a double. And now you're down 5-1, to one, and you're pretty much giving up on the game. I don't understand. You know, they say, old habits die hard. And I thought the Braves had gotten past the bullpen mismanagement after these nine games where you handled – these bad teams you played really well, the Orioles, the Marlins, and the Nationals. Those teams, are, I think are, I think the broadcast crew mentioned it last night, they were, they were about 80 games below 500 combined. That's around there. I mean, those were bad teams, but the Braves handled business because if the bullpen wasn't playing so well, they would have come in and blow, blew in some of those games. They tried to blow one of the games against the Orioles, but the Braves held on. So my thing is, if this is still going on when the Braves get to the playoffs, they stand no chance. They will be getting swept in the NLDS, and it won't matter. Mm-hmm. Because th- this it's just the mismanagement is insane to see how it happened at the beginning of the season, but then this last stretch, the bullpen's been so good. They're bound to have another. They're bound to have a bad outing, and that happens. It is what it is. But whenever it's because you put in guys that have not done so well this year, that's what bothers me. If, if they'd put in Chris Martin, they'd put in Luke Jackson, and one of them got shelled, okay, so be it. They've been great lately. I can live with that. But I can't live with bringing in the guys that 
you don't really trust, the guys that aren't going to come in Game 7 of the World Series, you want to bring in the guys that you're going to put in the most crucial spots of the postseason and the season because those are who you trust. And, of course, like I said, this isn't the end of the world, but it just shows me this Braves coaching staff is not learning from its mistakes earlier in the season. Mm -hmm. How did you feel about um, Enoa's start after coming off the IL? Uh, He went six innings, allowing three runs on four hits with nine strikeouts. Yeah, I thought it was great. He did it against the Marlins as well. It's the Marlins, though. The issue was I think he got a little tired, and that's why he gave up those two runs in the sixth inning. And that's just his second start back. He's still figuring things out. He had nine strikeouts, though. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that, it's part of it. He tired himself like, out. That's the biggest thing for me is that he's he's uh, he's throwing he's, he's throwing smoke. He's not just mm-hmm. going out there and getting the job done. He's doing it with a, with a little finesse and getting nine strikeouts and only your second start after coming off like a really long IL. Oh, like, yeah. I think the last time we saw him was in May. I mean, he broke his hand. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing. Is It's not like it was a leg injury or anything. He, he's back and he's throwing the way he was before the IL stint. Mm-hmm. And so I think give him another start or two, and then he'll be back where he can go this long of an outing, and fatigue isn't a factor. So Yeah, and he just had no answer for, uh, for Giancarlo, which no. it, it, it's hard to have an answer for him. But he, he, he took advantage of Enoa last night, and that ended up being the difference in the game, uh, bullpen mismanagement notwithstanding. I Yeah, no, I, I really think that, yeah, even if you bring in your best pitchers, I don't know what the Braves' offense is going to do because, my lord, who who was the relief pitcher that came in for the Yankees? He was throwing just nasty pitch after nasty pitch. It was Loesigia. He was insane. His breaking ball and his fastball. He had three pitches last night. Mike Soroka, he was a guest analyst, and I thought that was a really cool thing. He's on. He has a torn Achilles, but he's one of the pitchers for the Braves. And the way he was analyzing all this stuff was really cool, and he was talking about how Loisigia had three pitches. He had his breaking ball, he had his fastball, and he had a changeup, which a relief pitcher having three pitches, I mean, there's nothing you can do. It's a hitter against that. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we are going to take a quick break. I want to remind you that we've talked about a lot of fun stuff on the show today, and if you're joining us late, that's no problem. If you follow us on Twitter, today's episode and every episode in the future will be available as a podcast, so you can watch the whole thing listen to the whole thing whenever and wherever you want, wherever podcasts are heard. So follow us on Twitter at CDISCAU, that's C-D-I-S-C-A-U, for all of the information. We will be right back with some more compact discourse after these messages. Well, I think I'm going to get Hillman's take on what's going on on NFL preseason as we look around the league and we discuss Trevor Lawrence, Etienne, Jameis Winston maybe. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Compact Discourse. I'm your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside Jacob Hillman here, where it is the bottom of the hour. It is 9.32 a.m. Currently, your weather report for Auburn, Alabama, it is 84 degrees and sunny, 1% chance of rain in the next half hour. So don't think you'll be getting wet anytime soon. The afternoon forecast is 17% chance of rain as those clouds begin to roll in. Evening, looking at a cool 80 degrees and overnight 75, so it should be a great night to sit on your porch, listen to some music, and listen to some good old WEGL 91.1 FM. 
want to remind you, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WEGL underscore AU for all the updates. Our great marketing director, Aaron Folk, has a ton of awesome stuff planned. So be sure to follow us. You don't want to miss a thing. And you can follow this show on Twitter at CDISCAU at C-D-I-S-C-A-U. Basically where I put all the announcements about the show, where you can find the podcast, and maybe uh, maybe a little preview of what our guests are going to be and what our topics are going to be. And speaking of that, we are moving on to NFL preseason. As that uh, We talked a little bit about it earlier in the show, but I want to get Hillman's take on a few things. And we might just get around to talking about that new Spider-Man trailer that just dropped. New movie coming out in December. So don't go anywhere. All that coming up right here on Compact Discourse. So NFL preseason. Few things. First of all, is Jameis QB1? Yeah, I mean, it looks like it. And I think everyone everyone made the joke last night about how much of a difference LASIK eye surgery makes because that's what he <laughs> did over the offseason. And he goes 9 for 10 for 123 yards and almost has a perfect quarterback rating. He had a quarterback rating of 157.5. Perfect is a 158.8 or 58.3 or something like that. He was very close. And... Of course, he had a favorite target, Marquez Callaway. He's from Tennessee, and he had five receptions for 104 yards and both of the touchdowns that Winston threw. And, you know, it's one of those things when Jameis Winston is confident, it is, it is a scary thing for defenses. Now, of course, whenever things go bad, it, it's scary for head coaches and offensive coordinators of Jameis Winston. Just that—that's just the nature of him, you know. He had the thirty-thirty year a few years ago, mm-hmm. and I'll be honest. I think with the Saints, he—he—he he, he will be better. And I think that Taysom Hill is still has ways to go, and you don't really want to put all your eggs in that basket if you're the Saints because you paid him a lot, and if he doesn't work out, you are going to be bad for a while. So I think I think James Winston's a good building block where eventually Taysom Hill might be able to start, but right now you got to go with the guy that you know can score touchdowns, the guy that you know can run an offense, the guy that you know is going to you know he he's a leader, you know he's he the W speech make fun of him all you want, but he cares, mm-hmm. he really cares. I'm not saying Taysom Hill doesn't. He gives it his all. Yeah, he he's out there leading his team. Whereas I'm not sure if Taysom Hill has quite figured that out. Of course, he was under Drew Brees for several years, so I think he would have figured it out by now. But I'm not sure if throwing him under the fire the year after Brees retires is the smartest thing. Now, next year, who knows? Especially if Winston doesn't perform mm-hmm. up to everyone's expectations. So I-, I think the Saints are in decent position with their quarterback situation. But we're going to have to wait until the regular season, I think. Because if you think about Go look who they are playing last night. They are playing the Jacksonville Jaguars. Right. Um, obviously, scores in the preseason don't matter too much, but I like reading them. So uh, <laughs> the Browns beat the Giants on Sunday, 17-13. to And Trey Lance and those 49ers beat uh, their, in, their in, interstate, in-state rivals, the Los Angeles Chargers, 15-10. to And then the big game yesterday that everybody was talking about, the Saints took down the Jags 23-21. to Your leaders in that game were Gardner Minshew, the second for those Jaguars. He was 13-21 with 149 yards and one interception. Leading rusher was Tony Jones Jr. on the Saints, five carries for 24 yards. And your leading receiver 
was Marquez Callaway, five receptions, 104 yards, two touchdowns. I believe Travis Etienne had a leg injury. Yes, uh, it was a, it's a middle foot sprain, which from my understanding, I'm not a doctor, but it's one of those things that he might be back in two weeks, but he also might be back in like six weeks. Mm. So you don't know the extent of the injury. Right. It's basically a week-to-week thing for him, I believe. So, yeah, we discussed earlier in the show how when you, I mean, the Jags have great skill players, but with, without a decent O-line to, to be the catalyst for offense, they, they seem to be struggling. And I, I think my biggest concern is their defense, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think that they gave, up, they gave up a lot, giving up. You know, they, they lost Jalen Ramsey and a lot of other centerpieces on that defense last year, and I'm not sure if they've quite built it back up yet. You've got Miles Jack. That's great and all. But it just feels like he's not enough to really make sure that this defense is giving Trevor Lawrence enough of a chance because you don't want to make him have to swing the ball all around because they're down 14 points at the end of the first quarter every game. Mm-hmm. You want to be able to let him get comfortable in the offense by establishing a run game. And I believe that James Robinson and Travis Etienne will be able to do that. Now, of course, Etienne, we don't know the extent of his injuries, so he might be out for the first few weeks of the season. But they do have Carlos Hyde in the backfield as well. I'm not panicking about the Jaguars because they're they're not supposed to be good anyway this year. They just need to make a stepping stone to where they, they – the years following, Trevor Lawrence can really pick things up and, and figure things out because this year you don't have to make the playoffs. You're good if you go 5-11. and 5-11, mm-hmm. and 11, I think, should be the goal for the Jaguars. And even if they go 4, well, I forget they were playing 17 games this year, so I guess 5-12 and 12, or 4-13 or, or and 13 even. I think you're okay with that because that triples or quadruples your win count from last year. Absolutely. All right, well, I think we're just about done talking about NFL preseason because if you feel the same about preseason as I do, it's uh, I'm with you. <laughs> pretty, pretty, uh, pretty consistent. We do not care. Uh, so we'll move on to something we do care about, and that is, of course, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the new trailer that leaked and then dropped for the brand new Spider-Man movie. I mean... You know, I, I, it's one of these things where, like, lately Marvel continues to outdo itself. WandaVision was amazing. And I, I'll say Falcon and Winter Soldier was a little underwhelming just because I don't think it fits into the MCU storyline as well as the other shows. But then Loki was better than WandaVision, in my opinion. And I think that, honestly, Shang-Chi and the Eternals might be the best things that come out of Marvel this mm-hmm. year. I'm not sure if Eternals is this year. But if it is, I think those two will be the best. But then Spider-Man, that trailer came out yesterday, and, and I don't know, actually. <laughs> I mean, Okay. It, so, do, I mean, do you think the Marvel format works better as a serialized, episodic show than a, than a film? Ooh, that's a tough question. I mean, I almost hard, mean, hard-hitting questions here it, on Contact it, Discourse. It, it, <laughs> I think they basically did that already, though. I mean, they do that with the movies. It's just very, it's just TV series put into a movie. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, um, I obviously I'm not super familiar with the Marvel shows, but do they do they move at a pretty breakneck pace? Are the are the episodes kind of chock full of not action but but plot yes. movement? Because each each show has only been like I think WandaVision was nine episodes, mm-hmm. Falcon Winter Soldier was seven or eight or around around WandaVision, but Loki was only six. Mm-hmm. Now of course there's going to be a season two of Loki. I'm not sure about the other two, but 
every single one except Falcon and the Winter Soldier is kind of leading up to the Spider-Man movie. Okay. Which will lead into Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness because Wanda is going to be a big part of that movie, which, who knows, she'll probably appear in Spider-Man as well. Or maybe an end credits scene or something like that. Interesting. But it, it, it's one of those things where it is very much based off this past movie. I mean, th- this movie is going to start where Far From Home ended. Okay. And then he's going to go to Doctor Strange. And basically, what I'm thinking is that everything that's happened in Loki and WandaVision might be because of this spell that's messed up. You know, this might be where everything begins. We might be going back in time, to be honest. Okay. A little. I, I can well, get behind that. Now that I think about it, WandaVision was technically right after Endgame. Far From Home was also right after Endgame. But I, see, I'm not... I just need a good timeline of everything to mm-hmm. write, really stretch that theory out or whatever. But, I mean, honestly, right now it's not the time for that because this teaser trailer was more about, hey, look look who's in it and look what the basis of this is going to be. All right, be. who's in it? Doctor Strange? Yes. And, obviously, Spider-Man and his crew. James Garfield. They did not put them in the... They did not put Garfield or McGuire in it, but they put the villains. And it's going to be the Green Goblin, Doc Ock. So... Okay. That's what gives me hope that we're still going to get those other Spider-Men. Are, um, are Green Goblin and Doc Ock established in the canon in like this new era? They are not. Okay. This so will be like, the first time they're in the MCU. It, like it might be Willem Dafoe? <laughs> it could be. Okay. I, I, I think it is. A be, boy can dream. I think it is unless they just absolutely tease everyone because it was his laugh. It was absolutely his laugh Okay. Green Goblin. He, he threw his little grenade or whatever. And Man, Disney just loves putting laughs and trailers they do they just love they it they do it's a great set piece and you know i'm watching it and it just seems like this is going to be a really i think this movie's going to start off kind of slow they're trying to figure things out for you know how they is this like bear with me here okay. if if endgame was the end of like is like the, like a bookend on an era of marvel yes. and then all the shows like falcon and winter soldier and wandavision were kind of filler is this the beginning of a new Marvel era? So, technically, Far From Home was the first movie after Endgame. Right. And technically, so that was Phase 4. That ended Phase 4. Okay. Which, you know, it did because it was following Peter and he was kind of, he was messed up in the head because of losing Tony Stark. Yeah, I remember all that. So, yeah, the start of Phase 5 was supposed to be Black Widow and that wasn't really supposed to matter with with the storyline of the MCU. But WandaVision was really the beginning of it. Because that's showing all the outside forces that... Because with the, with Phase 1 through 4, there's a lot of stuff on Earth. With, you know, Then you got Thor. But now it's like, okay, we're talking about multiverse. We're talking about magic. We're talking about all this kind of stuff. And I think that's where they're, the direction they're going in. And that's why Falcon and the Winter Soldier didn't feel like it fit the storyline. They'll find a way, I'm sure. But that's why WandaVision, Loki, Doctor Strange are just kind of intertwined so much mm-hmm. and then they're throwing spider-man in the mix because he knows dr strange and stuff like that okay this movie comes out december 17th i was talking about last night the last time there was a major december release it was star wars episode 9 and i had to go all the way to columbus because auburn basketball hosted nc state and auburn did not have a showing after six o'clock that night <laughs> so Man, th- there's so many unique problems that your lifestyle conjures up it, it, that, yeah. that only you can have to deal with. And I, I really enjoy hearing about them. All right. 
We are going to head to a quick break. Jacob, you getting out of here? Yeah, probably. I probably got to go. All right. Well, we thank Jacob Hillman so much for joining me on the show today. He'll probably be back tomorrow if he makes it through another arduous day of class. Uh, But other than that, we'll be right back with some more Compact Discourse. Might just be me for this last segment. I'll talk at you in a few minutes. Welcome back to Compact Discourse. I'm your host, Jack Hart, and the Kill Bill Ironside siren can mean only one thing, is that I am alone in the studio for this final segment, so I'll let you hit the road just a little bit early, but a few more parting shots on my way out as we wrap up this lovely two-hour voyage we have been on together today. Just a quick Auburn, Alabama weather report for those of our local listeners. I want to thank you, each and every one of you, once again, for tuning in on your terrestrial radios or on WEGLFM.com. We talked a lot of of fun stuff today, including um, airports, if you can believe that. We, We riffed for a little bit about airports just because they are, as I like to say, the crossroads of the world. You never know what you will see there. And uh, Davis really wanted to talk about Catch Me If You Can, and I just couldn't stand for that. So take that offline with him if you need to discuss that Tom Hanks movie. I also talked with Hillman about NFL preseason, the Braves' win streak coming to a close, and the new Spider-Man movie that's coming out in December. The trailer just dropped on that one. Uh, I was fortunate enough to have Grayson, our station manager, join me for a segment or two, and we had a great time discussing things like watching the sunrise back in the day and other things, including Davis and I complaining a little bit about Tiger Transit and Tiger Cards, because it wouldn't be an episode of Compact Discourse without a little bit of complaining. And uh, all right, just to get you on the on your way for the rest of your day, here is your Auburn, Alabama weather report. It is currently 84 degrees and sunny with a high of 91 and a low of 73 today so a balmy late summer day get out there and enjoy it it'll get probably get up to about 86 before noon so clouds are going to roll in this afternoon keeping it at about 90 with a 17 percent chance of rain and your overnight temperature for tonight is a cool 74 degrees so like i said a great night to sit out on your porch listen to a podcast listen to a book Listen to us in WEGL 91.1 FM. Speaking of WEGL 91.1 FM, that is the home of this show and pretty much everything we do right here. So if you want to get updates on that, you can go ahead and follow us at WEGL underscore AU on Twitter and Instagram. That's WEGL underscore AU. Aaron, our amazing marketing director, is putting together awesome daily content that's going to be starting in the next week or two. So be sure to check that out. We're talking... Auburn Stages, the great event put on by Dylan. We're talking album reviews. We're talking lyrics, quotes, DJ spotlights, anything you can imagine pertaining to your lovely 50-year-old student-run radio station. That is available on WEGL underscore AU on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to follow this show, please do so as well. That's on Twitter at CDISCAU. That's C-D-I-S-C-A-U. It's a shortened version of Compact Discourse, if you can believe that. And go ahead and tweet at us if you want your opinion on the show. If you're listening to the podcast later, if you're listening to it right now, and you had something you wanted to say but didn't quite get to the live show, go ahead and tweet at us after the fact. I'll bring it up on tomorrow's show or whenever we get your message. We'd love to get some feedback from you. On top of that, the podcast today is our first ever podcasted episode. If you want to hear the podcast, just go to that Twitter handle, at CDiscAU, and you can find a link to our transistor 
and it should be able to send that podcast wherever podcasts are heard. We're talking Apple Podcasts, Spotify. I think there's one called Podbean even. So if you're a loyal Podbean user, we've got your back here at WEGL, and we can take care of that. So just a quick recap of today's show. We talked a little bit about the new Tiger Transit buses. We welcomed Davis Carroll into the studio. We welcomed Grayson Moyer into the studio, and we talked a little bit about airplanes, airports, travel, league expansion. Davis really wants an NBA team in Mexico City for some reason. Maybe we can bend his ear a little bit about that later on. We talked about Buffalo Bills potentially moving out of Buffalo. We talked about conference realignment. The ACC, Big 12, and or Pac-12 and Big 10 are forming an alliance to take down the SEC. Allegedly, that announcement's coming at um, 1 p.m. today, Central Time. So be sure to keep your finger on the pulse for that if you are into college sports at all. We also talked with Jacob Hillman about NFL preseason, baseball, the Braves, and the new Spider-Man movie. So that is a quick recap of what we talked about today on the show. If you missed any part of it and you want to go back and listen to the podcast, please do so. Once again, that's at CDiscAU on Twitter. I think that's about it for me, guys. Thank you so much for listening today. And I will talk to you tomorrow, 8 a.m., on another exciting episode of Compact Discourse. It has been a pleasure to sit in here with you guys today here in the Bradley Basin Studio, in the WEGL Suite, in the Harold Melton Student Center in beautiful Auburn, Alabama on the campus of Auburn University. I'd like to thank each and every one of you personally for listening to the show today. And as always, War Eagle.